0: The following presentation is from North Pine Baptist Church. We trust that it will help you learn more about God and His message for the world. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au Well, good morning, church. It's great to share the message with you this morning. Wherever you might be gathered on this wet, windy, sodden weekend, I, I pray that you are safe and well. It's great to gather and go through the Word of God together, wherever we may be. Last, year, last week, you might remember, we were looking through Malachi chapter 2, verses 1 to 9, and there the, the focus was really on the priests and what they were doing or what they were not doing. This morning, as we get to Malachi chapter 2, verses 10 to 16, the focus has shifted a little. And it's more the whole of Israel who are in view, the whole of God's people. So why don't you turn with your Bibles with me this morning to Malachi chapter 2. We're going to read from verse 10 through to verse 16. Malachi chapter 2, verses 10 to 16. This is the word of the Lord for us. This morning. Have we not all one father? Has not one God created us? Why then are we faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of our fathers? Judah has been faithless, and abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves, and has married the daughter of a foreign god. May the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob any descendant of the man who does this, who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. And this second thing you do, you cover the Lord's altar with tears, with weeping and groaning because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favour from your hand. But you say, why does he not? Well, because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth, to whom you have been faithless, though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. Did he not make you make them one with a portion of the spirit in their union? And what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. So guard yourselves in your spirit and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. For the man who does not love his wife, but divorces her, says the Lord, the God of Israel, covers his garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. So guard yourselves in your spirit and do not be faithless. There is a a saying, I'm sure you've heard it, that blood is thicker than water. This saying basically means that the relationships, the, the bonds between family members should be closer and stronger than those between friends and acquaintances. Families are supposed to be close, aren't they? I've spent the last week being very close with my family. We've, they've had to put up with me for a whole week as we isolate together. Now, there have been times where an extra room or two in the house would have been fantastic, but it's okay, we've managed, we've gotten through it all right. But it's true that families are supposed to be close, although that's not always the case. And maybe for you this morning, closeness is not something that you would describe your family relationship as in a land, a country where family breakdown is common, where one in three marriages end in divorce, I wouldn't be surprised if there are many listening to this today for whom family breakdown is something they have suffered or are currently suffering. We find a similar scenario in Malachi chapter 2, verses 10 to 16. God's people are supposed to be tight with one another. They're supposed to be tight with God. They're like family. But unfortunately, that is not the case. Instead of being tight and a close-knit community, like family, the fabric of their nation is being torn apart. See, the, the passage starts out reminding us that God is a God of oneness. He's a joiner. He brings the two together to make one. Words like one father, one God, make them one. The words covenant and union all point to this. That God is about bringing people together and joining them in the oneness of covenant together. And God's people, on the other hand, referred here as Judah, have become people who tear apart. This is most cleanly seen through, clearly seen through the word faithless, which appears five times through our passage. Faithless means to, to deal treacherously with someone or depart treacherously from. And, and treachery means... Words like uh, betray, um, deceive. So to be faithless is to deceive one another and to betray one another in relationship. Faithless is not a word that should be used to describe the relationships within a family. The word that should be used is the word faithful. But the prophet Malachi charges the people, God's people, with being faithless. Look at verse 10. It says, Have we not all one Father? Has not one God created us? That's from Deuteronomy 6, 4-6, the Shema. Why then are we faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of our fathers? See, the prophet Malachi is arguing, we should be one big happy family. But instead, the truth is that we're breaking faith with one another. We're violating the covenant agreements we have with one another and with God. They're breaking the covenant that was made at Sinai, the covenant that their nation was founded on. You might remember from Exodus, God takes this people, this family of slaves in Egypt and rescues them. He liberates them and brings them to himself and he makes an agreement with them. A covenant relationship is entered into between God and Israel. We read these words in Exodus chapter 19 verses 3 to 8. It says, The Lord called to Moses out of the mountain saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set them before set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. All the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. So that's important, friends. See, because while God's people are charged with being faithless to their wives, faithless towards one another. This surface faithlessness is just a symptom of a deeper treachery, a deeper faithlessness, because they're being faithless toward God. Look at verses 11 and 12 with me. It says, Judah has been faithless, and abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord which he loves and has married the daughter of a foreign god. May the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob any descendant of the man who does this, who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. Notice the word sanctuary in those verses. The word sanctuary can be translated as holy things. And that includes the holy place, the temple, as it's, as it's translated here. But in the scope of meaning there, it can also mean holy people, which are Israel, Jacob's descendants. It can also mean the holy covenant, whether that be the covenant between God and his people, or the covenants that are made between God's people with one another. It's helpful to remember this scope of meaning as we go through this passage. Because not only does God love having a place, the the sanctuary, the temple, where he can be with his people, where they can come into his presence and offer sacrifices, forgiveness, sacrifices of thanksgiving, and sacrifices in worship of God. God also loves being in relationship with his people and he loves uniting them in relationship with one another. These can all be considered the holy things that are being referred to here. But instead of treating what God says is holy, what God says is special, instead of treating those things as special, God's people are treating them as common and they act faithlessly towards God, and they are faithless with one another. The Israelite men are rebuked for marrying daughters of a foreign god. Now that phrase is not about marrying someone of another race. It's about marrying someone who worships a different god. And what the Israelite men seem to be doing, some of them, is following Solomon's lead. It's like Solomon 2.0 going on here. You can read about what he did in 1 Kings chapter 1, verses 1 to 13. See, in Exodus 34, 16, God warned the people against marrying people from other cultures, from the cultures around them. God said to them that if they were to intermarry with these people, then those people would draw their hearts away from him. They would be drawn to worshipping the cultures, the other cultures' gods, the gods that they worship. And now in Malachi's time, this is exactly what's going on. Some of the Israelite men are divorcing their Israelite wives and marrying women from the cultures around them, women who worship other gods, as we can see, are drawing the hearts of these Israelites away from their relationship with Yahweh, away from the worship of Yahweh. It makes sense that if you're faithless towards God, that would lead to you being faithless towards one another in other relationships it would lead to you being faithless in your worship. It's like a car, isn't it? If you stop servicing your car, stuff in the car will start to break. And that'll lead to the car not working anymore. It's pretty simple. It makes sense. But some of the Israelites haven't seen the link between this faithless lifestyle and the lack of acceptance that God has for their offerings and their prayers. On one hand, they go to the temple of God and they offer their sacrifices. They pray to God. Whilst on the other hand, they're divorcing their wives. They're they're putting them away and they're they're marrying wives who worship another God. Now this term that we have here, the wife of your youth, It's more than just the wife you married when you were young. See, it's also the wife they were joined with when they became husbands. It's the marriage through which they became a husband, through which they they then became fathers. It's their companion with whom they worked out the how-to of living in married relationships together. The how to live as a husband, how to raise children, how to juggle the work, community and family mix. and They have torn these relationships apart and they now seem surprised that God is not happy with their offerings, that he's not listening to their prayers. Do you wonder why this is? Do you wonder why God would not accept their offerings and their prayers? As long as they're bringing these things, that should be okay, right? Well, the answer is found in the goal of this passage, where it's leading to, and that's verse 15. Last week I mentioned that the word offspring was worth underlining. Well, here we have it. Here it is in verse 15. 15. Let's read it together. Did he not make them one with a portion of the Spirit in their union? And what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. Now that first sentence there makes me think of welding. And I hope I'm not the only one. Maybe it is just me. See, I appreciate a good weld. Now the way that's well a weld on a bull bar or a weld on a handrail I've also been known to admire the beating of the toothpaste on a toothbrush, but I admire and appreciate a good weld. And in grade eleven, I learnt how to weld at school. Welding is basically the process of grabbing two bits of metal and using this welding rod you would melt the two pieces of metal as well as melting part of the rod and through the the rod and the molten steel, everything would be joined together as one piece. So you might say that the result is that the two pieces become one with the aid of the welder and the welding rod. Well, verse 15 tells us, that Israel's God is a God who is into welding. So he joined the Israelites to himself in covenant relationship at Mount Sinai. And he joins his people to one another in their marriages. And he does this with a portion of his spirit added in as well, making the two one. They're companions together verse 15 says. That companion language reflects the language of Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, where it says, A man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. God loves bringing people together. He loves being faithful in his covenant with Israel. He is their covenant maker and covenant maintainer. And he wants godly offspring. He wants people who reflect him. He wants people who image him to the world around them. And this will require them to be distinct from those around them. Distinct from people who could be described as being the sons and daughters of a foreign God. This means that they too, like God, are to be faithful in their covenant relationships with one another, faithful in their covenant relationship with him. Divorce is an act of violence to that covenant relationship. And God hates that. A better understanding of verse 16 comes through the NASB and NET translations of this verse. The NASB translates verse 16 this way. It says, For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel, and him who covers his garment with wrong, says the Lord of hosts. So take heed to your spirit that you do not deal treacherously. I hate divorce, says Yahweh, the God of Israel. Divorce, that does not sum me up. That does not describe me, he says. Now, grade 11 welding students are pretty rubbish at welding. We get it wrong a lot of the time. And when you get it wrong, we had to break the weld apart and start again. So we learned pretty quickly that that breaking apart would take an act of violence. We had to pick up a hammer and hammer that weld. And the result of that violence upon that, that join, that, that union of those two pieces of metal, was that pieces of metal were bent out of shape and there were jagged edges created. The same can be said of what happens when marriages are torn apart. The effects of that are lives that are emotionally and physically bent out of shape. Lives that have been torn apart and jagged edges have formed. Divorce breaks the covenant of the marriage relationship. It wounds and tears people apart. It injures people. People suffer. And God says, I hate that. That's not me. He's not the covenant-breaking God. He is the covenant-making and covenant-keeping God. And he wants godly offspring, friends. People whose relationships reflect him and how he acts in relationship to the world around them. Does that describe our relationships? Are we faithless in our relationships to one another? Do we find ourselves ripping into other people, talking about them behind their back, spreading rumours and innuendo? Is that how we would describe our marriage relationships? Or are we faithless in our marriages? Marriage relationships should be a reflection of God's relationship with us. Does an abusive marriage do that? A husband is supposed to protect and care for his wife and help her to flourish as a person. Does hitting her protect her and care for her? Does demanding that she submit and obey your will, does that help her to flourish? Does yelling at one another in uncontrolled outbursts, does that offer care and protection for one another? Does that help one another flourish? Does that reflect God and his relationship with us? Is cheating on your spouse godly? Does it reflect God? Does looking at pornography or having an affair with someone else, does that reflect, does that image God to the world? No. Are we faithless towards one another, friends? And are we faithless towards God? do we find ourselves asking why doesn't god listen to me why doesn't he accept what i offer him as worship and praise well at the other on the other hand we're mistreating one another maybe we're tearing down someone else's per- reputation behind their back maybe we're breaking relationship with others in our church is that you does that describe your relationship today? Well, then I urge you, if this is, that's the case, I urge you, stop what you are doing. Tell someone else what's going on and get the help that you need. For the sake of one another, for the sake of God, of being godly offspring, stop what you're doing, tell someone what's going on and get the help that you need. Help for God's people starts with repentance. Have you repented of what's going on? Have you genuinely repented of what's going on? Are you willing to turn from that and take a different course of action? Are you willing to be part of the healing process instead of the tearing process, the joining process, rather than pulling apart? If that is the case, Lord, uh, friends, do something about it. Seek the Lord. Seek godly counsel. But maybe that's not you. Maybe that doesn't describe you. Maybe your marriage is going really well. Or you're not even married yet, perhaps. What is the word for you? What's the encouragement for you from this passage? If if that is you, for all of us, but especially if that is you, I think the final words of this passage go to you. Guard yourselves in your spirit, friends, and do not be faithless. Guard yourselves, watch over. It's, it's like what the kids might do, you know, when they, they're supposed to be asleep, but really there's a party going on in the room and they, they're on guard. They, when they hear the footsteps of a parent coming down the hall, quickly they're back in the bed. The lights are off, the covers are on. They guard themselves. That is what we've got to be doing when it comes to being faithless in our relationships. We need to be on guard. We need to identify the symptoms when they're still a ways off. We need to take action and deal with them then rather than when they get close and they're at their doorstep. Keep watch against being faithless to one another, friends. Listen to that voice inside you that says, you shouldn't be looking at that or you shouldn't be speaking about that person in that way. God is seeking godly offspring. So be faithful in everything. Let me pray. A loving Heavenly Father, I, I thank you that you are the God who joins together. You are the God that brings us to yourself and brings us to one another and and join us with a a portion of your spirit in our marriages. Lord, we confess that we at times are faithless to one another, that we act faithlessly towards you. Father, I pray that your spirit in us will bring us to a place where we can see that happening. Lord, I pray for those for whom it seems too late, their marriages might be in all sorts of trouble. Father, I pray that you would help them to know what it is to be godly offspring there. Bring them to a place of repentance if that's what's required. Bring them to a place where they're willing to speak about it with someone else and they're willing to get help. Lord, I thank you that you are joined to us. I pray that you'll enable us this week to make the changes we need to be faithful in our relationships with one another and faithful in our relationship with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, friends. Have a great week. God bless.